Welcome to Zaslow Show 2.0, presented from day one by Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys. You're dealing with any kind of accident, any personal injury, slip and fall, motorcycle, car accident, bike. Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys, 800 747 free. That's 800 747 3733. Title sponsors from day number one. No. Before day number one of Zaslow Show 2.0, my guys Mark Anajar, Glenn Levine, Ellie Anajar, they believe in me. If you're listening to the show right now and you're dealing with any kind of personal injury, I'm sending you to my friends, Anajar and Levine, accident attorneys. You don't have to deal with the insurance companies. You don't have to deal with the medical bills. You need to focus on getting right. That's where they come in. They handle all the stuff that you don't want to be bothered with. You need to make sure you're getting healthy and they're going to make sure you're getting the money that you deserve. Anna John Levine, Accident Attorneys, 800-747-FREE. That's 800-747-3733. Proud title sponsors of Zaslow Show 2.0. Hey, if you've been searching for a refreshing beer that feels like you're back in the Caribbean, well, search no more. Proud sponsor of Zaslow Show 2.0, Johnny Cuba. It's a lifestyle. We're talking European roots with a Caribbean soul, a refreshing German lager in a can. That's right. Pick up a six-pack of Johnny Cuba, Sedanos, Presidente, Winn-Dixie. Got great six-pack deals going on right now. You got... Hot sauce, that's right, made from selected Caribbean habanero peppers. You know your boy Zaslow loves the hot sauce. Go pick up some Caribbean soul in a can. Johnny Cuba, stay tranquilo. If you're a homeowner, you need to make sure you have the proper coverage. And that's why I'm sending you to Brunt Insurance and Financial Services. The Zaslow family uses Brunt Insurance and Financial Services because we know that if there's, God forbid, an issue with our home, we need to know that we're covered properly. From Pensacola to the Keys and beyond, Brunt Insurance and Financial Services delivers comprehensive insurance and financial solutions tailored to your needs. Since 2013, Brunt Insurance specializes in home and auto insurance. Bruntinsurance.com. You could also check them out on social media at Brunt Insurance. Look, the market's confusing. Let Brunt Insurance sort it all out for you with their fully licensed staff, and they know the area. The Zaslow family uses Brunt Insurance to make sure that they're covered, and that's why I'm sending you to them as well. Bruntinsurance.com. 954-589-2204. Welcome aboard. This is Zaslow Show 2.0. Welcome, Zaslow Show 2.0. It is a Thursday, the 14th of September. Good to have you aboard. We are a part of the Believe Podcast Network. 
presented as always by Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys. 800 747 3733 The only accident attorneys, the only personal injury attorneys I'm ever going to send you to because I know when you go to Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys, you're going to be treated like family the same way that I was where they jumped on board as the title sponsor of Zaslow Show 2.0 from day number one. That's the type of family atmosphere that I send you to when you're dealing with a personal injury. First, you call 911, then you go to Anna Jar and Levine. Anna Jar and Levine, accident attorneys, 800 747 free. That's 800 747 3733. Got a fun show planned for everybody today. It's Thursday. All right, so a couple things. Number one, week two of the NFL starts tonight. You'll wake up, it sneaks up on your ass. Thursday night football tonight. Vikings, Eagles, and Hurricanes football about to kick the shit out of Bethune-Cookman tonight at Hard Rock Stadium. So, we got some things to be excited about as far as tonight goes, and obviously it's Thursday, so I get you caught up on, on all your fantasy football advice, everything you need to know there. Our pal is Jamie Eisenberg, CBS Sports fantasy football expert. He joins us every Thursday. He's going to be coming up on the show. Also, we do mailbag. We're going to do your questions. Zaslow Show 2.0 mailbag is coming up today on Thursday. Also, I'm really excited about this. So, Alex Perry. Alex Perry is a filmmaker. He is the director of the Peacock documentary, Angle. It's about Kurt Angle's life, about him winning the Olympic gold medal. Then the second part of his life, WWE superstar, overcoming addiction, everything that he's been through. This documentary, I was blown away with it last week. I talked about it on It's Still Real to Me, my wrestling podcast. Every weekend, you can get that. Zaslow Show 2.0, also presented by Anna Jar and Levine Accident Attorneys. And I talked about it this past weekend where I was blown away with this movie. Obviously, the, the WWE stuff, the second half of it, I knew most of that. But all the stuff, the Olympics, him being a part of Foxcatcher... I didn't know a lot of that. I, I didn't know a lot of that stuff. And th- this, fi- I, like, so I, I had to find out more about it is what I'm getting at here. And so I put out the clips last weekend from It's Still Real to Me and I was talking about it. And the director, Alex Perry, he listens to the show and he like he, he loved that. I, I enjoyed the documentary. It's available right now on Peacock. If you're a WWE fan, you have to watch it. I'm telling you, you've not seen all the footage that's in it. You have to watch it. So we're going to have Alex Perry on the show today. We'll talk about this documentary. Uh, I'm curious, you know, from a documentary filmmaker perspective, there's so many emotional scenes in, in the film. Like, I wonder how you keep your cool interviewing the subject when, when like, Kurt Angle breaks down and starts crying about some of the struggles. And just it, the story's inspiring. He is an American hero. So I'm really excited to get Alex on the show. Alex Perry, the, the documentary is available on Peacock right now. It's called Angle. It is fantastic. So we're going to talk to Alex Perry coming up on the show today. Now, I'm going to see Pearl Jam tomorrow night. I am so excited. So I'm taking my boys tomorrow night. We're seeing Pearl Jam. It'll be the first time the three of us are going together. First show overall for my younger son, I can't wait. Now, I do have to tell you guys. Now, you know I'm the Ticket Ninja, right? All right. 
pulled a great Ticket Ninja move a couple nights ago. So, Pearl Jam's playing the show tomorrow night. I've had these tickets for a while from 10 Club. Now, you can't just sell the tickets because Pearl Jam doesn't allow you to. You, you can put them back on Ticketmaster. Ticketmaster fan-to-fan resale is the only way you could sell them. You can't sell them on StubHub. You can't sell them on the secondary market. You get the tickets through Ticketmaster, through the fan club, and you can resale them on Ticketmaster through fan-to-fan, but at the price that you bought them. You don't, you don't even get to lower the price. It gets listed at the price that you bought them. Well, a couple nights ago, and I had good seats. My seats are in the lower level, like fourth row, what center court would be, all right, in the arena. Great seats. And I happened to notice a couple nights ago, like some seats have been popping up here and there. Not a lot. And I noticed a trio, three seats, which are hard to get together. Because I didn't even have three seats before. I was going to sneak my younger son into sitting with us. I was getting him a solo seat, and he was going to sneak in with us. Very hard to get a trio of seats together. A trio of seats a couple nights ago, really late at night, popped up on Ticketmaster right next to the stage. Right next to the stage. And a lot of these seats that are popping up are Pearl Jam premium seats where they're like $800 a ticket. No, no, no. I I got mine at the regular price, which was $167 a ticket. These trio of seats that popped up on the resale right next to the stage Regular price, 167 Had to pull the trigger. Had to do it. Ticket Ninja style. Had to do it. Pulled the trigger, got the three seats. Three seats together. Oh, but what am I going to do about the other two seats I have? Okay, I, pu- I put them on the Pearl Jam fan to fan resale on Ticketmaster. Those seats that I had before, honest to God, no joke, they sold in five minutes. Five minutes. I got the alert. The tickets you listed sold Bing, bang, boom. Got rid of those tickets. I pulled the trigger on the... Th- Obviously, I, I bought the, six, the seats before and then put my other ones for sale. That's, I don't want you to think that I did something stupid. Picked up the three seats right next to the stage. Sold the other two tickets within five minutes like it was nothing. And so tomorrow night, the Zazlo boys are seeing Pearl Jam. We're sitting right next to the stage. I can't wait. That shit's going to be awesome. So anyway, I'm super pumped up. We got a great show for you today. Let's get right after it. All right, so all guests on Zaslow Show 2.0 are brought to us by the official beer of the program, Johnny Cuba. European roots of the Caribbean soul, a refreshing German lager in a can. You know that's how I enjoy watching my football like tonight with a Johnny in my right hand. I'm sitting on the couch in the Zaslow Mansion family room. If you don't have a six-pack of Johnny Cuba, so easy. Go out to your local Sedanos, Presidente, Winn-Dixie, Fresco y Mas. Remember, always drink responsibly. And, of course, don't forget Johnny Cuba's mantra, stay tranquilo. Our pal, of course, he joins us every Thursday on the program. CBS Sports fantasy football expert is Jamie Eisenberg. Jamie, how do you how do you watch the games on Sunday? I mean, you, you know, you're a fantasy football expert. You got to keep track of everything. What's what's your setup? Uh, so I'm in the office all day on Sunday. Uh, we're located in Fort Lauderdale, so local, right across from where uh, Messi has been dominating. 
And I watch uh, on a bank of TVs. You know, we're really lucky that they have us uh, with a nice setup, so I get to see all the games. Um, and it's uh, it's it's fun. You know, just get an opportunity to uh, you know, keep an eye on everything that's happening. And then you know, I try to go back during the week and keep an eye on some of the things that I might have missed. So make sure that I have everything covered. What'd you make of the Dolphins this past weekend? Well, like I told you, you know, I was really high on Tua. He was my start of the week, so I was thrilled to see that performance. And I thought they looked awesome. You know, without Teron Armstead there, that was a little bit of a concern. You know, just knowing that the pass rush for the Chargers would be a little bit of a problem. But I thought they protected Tua great. Uh, obviously, Tyree Kill was a monster. You know, I'm, I'm excited, but also a little frustrated from a fantasy perspective, but excited to see some other guys step up. You know, Durham Smythe, uh, River Craycraft, you know, Braxton Berrios, you know, so they were definitely spreading the ball around, but you know, when uh, when Tyreek's playing like that, too, is going to have a lot of chances for big games, and, and certainly that's what happened uh, in that game against Chargers. Uh, tell me, uh, what were the thoughts before we get to all the fantasy stuff, the, your thoughts that went through your mind, Monday Night Football, Aaron Rodgers, did you know immediately that he was done? You know, whenever you see that injury, you know, you've, you've certainly covered sports enough. You know, you go back to even the Kevin Durant, you know, when you saw it pop. Um, when, when you saw the replay, it was like, oh, this is bad, you know, and, and frustrating. You know, I, I think – no matter what you think of the guy, um, you wanted to see what this story would look like, well, how the story would unfold, and you know, just to see if the Jets would be, you know, a different team. And you, you know, then you see the game unfold, and you see how good that defense is, and you see Brees Hall coming back from the ACL tear and looking like he looked, and you say, okay, wow, this could have been something special. And it still might, you know, I don't want to completely write off Zach Wilson, but we've seen two years of this already, and it's been a you know horror show. So. Um, from a fantasy perspective, I got really frustrated for Garrett Wilson, who was a guy that I was taking, you know, almost in the first round, but certainly in the top 15 overall picks. And now at this point, I don't know if you would draft him in the fourth or fifth round, just how, based on how bad things were with Zach Wilson. I mean, just think about it. He had to play defense to catch a touchdown. You know, that was yeah. a, that was an interceptable pass. Uh, he had five cat, five targets, four catches, 34 yards. It was, it was not a pretty performance. And again, Bill's defense is really good, but the, 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 Sentiment right now for Zach for Garrett Wilson is it's going to be a frustrating year. Who was just a fantasy killer last week? Uh, name a Bengal. <laughs> you know that was uh, that was as ugly as it gets. You know, especially knowing where you drafted those guys. You know, Joe Burrow, top five quarterback. Jamar Chase, number two overall pick. T Higgins, you know, eight targets, no catches. Um, you know, that was just frustrating across the board. Joe Mixon struggled as well. So, you know, you want to talk it up to okay, bad calf, bad weather. Um, you know, not a lot of reps in the preseason because of the calf injury. So. I hope things are, are much better for Joe Burrow and the Bengals. I'm very confident that they will. There's a good buy-low window here if you want to try and get those guys a little bit cheaper than you would have going into week two. But I think they'll come out and put on a show against the Ravens this week. All right, and, and before we get to some of the games here for this week, who who are the guys who have been picked up uh, the most off the waiver wire this week? Yeah, the, the, the two Rams guys that really just jumped off the page. You know, Puka Nakua, um, their rookie wide receiver, fifth round pick out of BYU. You know, we know the story. No Cooper Cup. He's out for at least the next three games, but you know, not eligible to return until week five. I hope that's the case. But if not, they they found a replacement. You know, 15 targets, 10 catches, over 100 yards receiving. You know, did a lot of Cooper Cup type of things. And I hope it'll be sustainable once Cup is back. But again, you just don't know when that will be. And then they may have changed their running back. You know, Kyron Williams, the you know second year player out of Notre Dame. You know, the Rams are very, very telling because they don't play the guys that they trust in the preseason. And the fact that they didn't play him in the preseason thought, okay, he's going to be their third down back, maybe the backup to Cam Akers. He came out as a starter. And so both those guys, I don't love their setup for week two because they're playing the 49ers. We know what that defense has been. Uh, but moving forward, though, you got to be pretty excited about those two players in particular if they can sustain this type of production, this level of, of work for sure. All right, let's talk about tonight. We got Minnesota and Philadelphia. Prime makes their debut of the season. That means Al Michaels, Kirk Herbstreet, 
Let's look at Philadelphia's side first. Who do we like there? I mean, the obvious names are are, are the in the passing game. You know, the, the another frustrating guy, Dallas Goddard, the fact that he didn't have a catch. Um, this is going to be a squeaky wheel game for him tonight. So uh, he should bounce back in a big way. Uh, you're starting the the quarterback and the two receivers of AJ Brown and and, and Devonte Smith. You know, I think you'll see a little bit better performance probably for AJ Brown. The fact that one guy scores one week, the next guy will probably score the next week. You know, so uh, AJ uh, Devonte Smith had the better game in week one. I'm sure Jalen Hurts will do a little market correction and get you know both Dallas Goddard and AJ Brown going this week. The big story though for the Eagles is the running backs because Kenneth Gainwell, who looked like their starter and was a guy that you should have been picking up off of waivers, uh, he's out for this game with a rib injury. I don't know if it's something that's long term or it was just because it's a short week. But now we have the story that we've been waiting to see. Okay, is DeAndre Swift going to be the guy, or is it going to be Rashad Penny, who was a healthy scratch for week one? I would lean towards Swift, but I really don't have any certainty. It could be Boston Scott because they like the guys that they've been used to. So we could see a three-headed monster. Uh, but I do think that Swift is the one you want to buy into just because based on him being active last week and still has a very good pedigree, not to discount you know what he's done in his career. He just had a hard time like like Penny staying healthy. For Minnesota, it's the, the usual suspects. It's... You know, Justin Jefferson's a must-start guy. It was great to see Jordan Addison have a good week one performance. Uh, but I am concerned about Kirk Cousins and Alexander Madison. Their center, Garrett Bradbury, is out tonight. And you know what that defensive front is like, you know, with the whole Georgia crew. So it could be a very frustrating game for Kirk Cousins himself. He'll still get Justin Jefferson the ball. So you're obviously starting him. All right, let's look at the Dolphins. Sunday night, what do we like there, Dolphins and Patriots? Same guys. You know, I mean, Tua's a must-start quarterback while healthy. You know, and Where I know do you have him ranked this week? I know he was your top guy last week. Where do you have him this week? Yeah, he, he well, he wasn't the, the, my top guy, but he was the guy that we were you know talking about just in terms of, you know, not necessarily started across the board. And surprisingly enough, he's still not started across the board. Only 69% was his start percentage as of Wednesday, so I'm sure that'll go up a little bit. But he's right outside the top five. You know, I go back and forth between him and Justin Herbert for this week because I like Herbert's matchup a lot. Uh, Tua has a chance to do something only one other quarterback in NFL history has done, which is to start 5-0 and against Bill Belichick. The other guy to do that was Neil O'Donnell uh, way back when, when it was Steelers-Browns. So, uh, and Belichick was the coach of Cleveland. So I, I think Tua's going to you know, have an opportunity to make history. Um, I don't know if he'll have a huge game. And I, I'm really concerned about the quarterback production across the board this week. So I don't know if we'll see another 30-point game for him, but he'll be in the you know, mid-20s. And so uh, should be a safe starter again. As long as Tyreek Hill is doing those type of things and Jalen Waddle will bounce back this week, the run game, I think, is still going to be a little suspect. I know Raheem Mostert scored, but not somebody you want to start with a ton of confidence against the Patriots. So it's really just the quarterback and the two receivers against New England. And what about New England's side? Do we like? Can you start anybody? Yeah, Ramondre Stevenson. You know, he did a lot of similar things uh, week one that he did last year. You know, very involved in the passing game. Uh, they they were going to struggle to run against Philadelphia, so you knew that that's where he'd have to make his production. And I think a big boost for him was Ezekiel Elliott fumbling. So. You know what that means for Bill Belichick. Probably going to see some time in the doghouse, although they did go back to him. I'm sure that's just because of what you know he's done in his career. But really, outside of that, you just want to see, is Juju Smith-Schuster going to be a non-factor again? Because if he is, you're definitely dropping him. Hunter Henry's worth keeping an eye on because he had a very productive game, and we know we're searching for tight end production across the board. And then Kendrick Bourne is a name to keep an eye on. No Devontae Parker last week, no Tyquan Thornton. Again, Juju struggling. Kendrick Bourne had a big game. And Mac Jones had a big game. You know, let's give him credit. First game under Bill O'Brien. 54 pass attempts, that's not something I think the Patriots want to do. But if this becomes a shootout, which it certainly can based on how this Dolphins offense is going to operate, then Mac Jones could be somebody that when we get to the bye weeks, you might consider as a replacement if, in fact, he's able to play at this level. All right, let's look at some of the key games here. Buffalo and Las Vegas. Dolphin fan is obviously keeping an eye on that. What do we like there? A lot of Bills, not a lot of Raiders aside from Josh Jacobs and Devontae Adams. I, I do hope that Jacoby Myers does come out of the concussion protocol and plays this week because he looked great in his first game with Garoppolo, first game with the Raiders. So that's someone to keep an eye on. Uh, but really, I think we're going to see a, a big bounce-back performance from Buffalo, and I hope it's 
Uh, you'll remember this, you know, Brian Cox walking out in Buffalo with the middle fingers raised in the air. I hope Josh yeah. Allen does that to all the people that are, you know, just kind of crapping on him right now because he had a bad game against the Jets, no doubt about it. So he's due for a bounce back game. It's a perfect opportunity home game against the Raiders team coming across the country, coming off a big win themselves. So I think we'll see Stefan Diggs do his usual uh, production. James Cook, I think, is going to be a good start this week. And then I do think this is a Gabe Davis week. We know it's hard to sort of peg when this is going to be those opportunities. But, again, I think this is a Josh Allen game. So Gabe Davis should have a big part of it. Now, how about Cincinnati and Baltimore? The the Bengals offense, like you said, they killed you last week. And, and, and what do we make of Lamar Jackson after last week? Yeah, he was frustrating. But I think a lot of that was partially due to the score. You know, so they didn't really have to do much in the second half. Partially due to losing a lot of guys. You know, J.K. Dobbins lost for the season. Ronnie Stanley was out, other offensive line issues as well. So uh, I'm sure they'll come back and have a better game plan, and maybe they didn't want to necessarily show all their, their their cards, knowing that they were probably going to beat the Texans, and then they have a huge division game in week two. So we'll see a little bit more of the wrinkles in Todd Monken's offense. Zay Flowers was awesome. So, you know, if you drafted the rookie wide receiver, you should be really happy about that. I would start him this week. But really, I think this is more about the Bengals. They'll bounce back. Lamar Jackson will bounce back. And so the guys that you drafted as starters, and hopefully Mark Andrews is out there, uh, will be a big piece of, of that puzzle, too. I think that's why Lamar Jackson also struggled not having him there. How about the other AFC East team? Uh, Jets, Cowboys, that's at 425 on Sunday. I know you're you're super frustrated for what it means for Garrett Wilson moving forward, uh, but tell me also what you think about this Dallas team. Well, first off, what an unbelievable performance. You know, I, I, I would imagine that if anybody in the you know New York area was watching both those games, you're like, okay, wow, our, our, our team's probably going to struggle after watching what the Cowboys just did to the Giants. So, um, look, the, the, the best thing for the Jets was Brees Hall looking like that because if he's able to run at that level, had an 83-yard carry, a 26-yard carry, you know, the explosiveness looks back. Um, I'm a little bit concerned about him this week just because, again, that Dallas defense just shut down Saquon Barkley. And so you're still getting the split between Brees Hall and Dalvin Cook. So more of a flex play for Hall, but if you have him, you're probably still going to play him. Same thing with Wilson. It's hard to get away from those guys. And then for the Cowboys, they just didn't have to do very much offensively. But let's not forget, this Jets defense is still really, really good. So – don't love a lot of the, the the Cowboys aside from really C.D. Lamb and Tony Pollard who were drafted as must-start options, and I would still play them as must-start options. Who, uh, who who are a couple of sneaky good plays this week between uh, wide receiver and running back? Uh, Josh Reynolds for the Lions. You know, he had a, a good game in Thursday night against the Chiefs, uh, four catches for 80 yards. It's, it's like six games now where he's had at least six targets. Uh, five of those, he's gotten you 12 or more PPR points. And Jared Goff, you know, last week too was my start of the week. Jared Goff was my start of the week. So, you know, just attaching yourself to him. I also like Sam Laporta, the tight end in that game as well, uh, as someone you could look at and, and 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 start this week. Jamal Williams last week was the guy for the Saints. No Kendra Miller, no Alvin Kamara. And he was miserable against the Titans. But you got to look at some of the, you know, the, the, the metrics in that game. You know, he did have some yards after contact. Again, playing time was huge. And now he's got a much easier opponent this week against the Panthers who could not stop the both Falcons running backs with Tyler Algier and Bijan Robinson. Uh, James Cook, again, I know a frustrating game for him against the Jets, but the usage was great. Just got to worry he's going to get the goal line opportunity, so that's something to keep an eye on there. And then some other receivers you can look at. Nico Collins I thought was great for the Texans, uh, 11 targets. Um, if that's going to be the norm from C.J. Stroud, you're going to be really happy about that and a much easier matchup this week against the Colts, who we know cannot stop Calvin Ridley or Zay Jones. So I think Nico Collins is a good start this week.
Sorry to break up the conversation here, guys, but I want to make sure that you got the best homeowner's insurance out there. And that's why I direct you to Brunt Insurance. I've been getting my homeowner's insurance from Brunt Insurance for about 10 years now. And I keep going back, I keep going back, I keep renewing because I know I have the most comprehensive coverage out there and I'm getting it at the most affordable rate there is. You know, some of you guys, you're listening now on the west coast of Florida, God forbid you got some damage to your home because of the storm yesterday. Brunt Insurance, 954-589-2204, or you go to bruntinsurance.com. And yes, anywhere in Florida, Brunt Insurance has you covered. They have locations all throughout the state. So you could be calling from Pensacola or all the way down to the Keys and beyond. Greg Brunt and his team at Brunt Insurance, his fully licensed staff, They have the expertise, they have the experience, they know what area you're calling from. So they're going to know exactly what type of coverage you need, what kind of policies you have to make sure you have. Hey, that also includes trailers and motorhomes. Let the team at Brunt Insurance help you learn more about your policy options so you're making an informed decision that's not going to keep you up at night. And you don't even have to own your home. Renter's insurance, condo insurance, all the options out there. It can make your head spin. Brunt Insurance specializes in making the confusing crystal clear. When you call 954-589-2204, you're making the right call. Bruntinsurance.com, the only insurance agency that I'm going to send you to. Finally here, Jamie, who are the guys as far as injury reports go? Who are we keeping an eye on the next couple days? The two tight ends, you know, we'd love to see Kelsey and, and Mark Andrews back. What a miserable position that was last week. We know it's already a frustrating position to begin with, but not having those two guys out there. Hayden Hurst was the best fantasy tight end, you know, so good luck with that as the Panther starter, but not exactly something you want to hang your hat on there. So the, t- the tight ends we're keeping an eye on. Uh, Jerry Judy hopefully will come back and play this week. That's something you want to, you know, monitor. Another running back that's going to matter this week, he's playing, is Zach Moss. And I know you don't necessarily want to start Zach Moss, but last year he got a lot of work for the Colts and, uh, Deion Jackson was bad against the Jaguars. Um, they lost Evan Hall, their rookie uh, running back, at least for the next couple of games. So Zach Moss, if you're desperate for running back this week, he's somebody you can keep an eye on. He's somebody you could potentially use as a flex uh, practicing in full as of Wednesday. Great job, Jamie, as always. Tell everybody how they can hear you leading up to tonight's game. And then, of course, get ready for Sunday. Uh, CBS Sports HQ, it's our 24-hour streaming network. And then our YouTube page, Fantasy Football Today, uh, YouTube slash Fantasy Football Today, something like that. You just search Fantasy Football Today on YouTube, you'll find us. And our podcast is always wherever podcasts are found. And you can always follow me on Twitter. Awesome. Thanks, Jamie. Appreciate it, man. Enjoy the games. We'll talk to you next week. You as well. Have a good one. Excellent job, as always, by Jamie Eisenberg there. All right. It is Thursday. You know, there are a couple things we do on Thursdays. Number one, we get Jamie on the show. We do fantasy football. We help get you ready for week two. The other thing we do on Thursdays, Zaslow Show 2.0 Mailbag. That's right. You can always hit me up at Zaslow Show. Uh, that's on Twitter, at J on Instagram. Like, my man Victor sent me a message. Hey, you know, where, where should I respond with questions for Mailbag? Well, Every Wednesday night, and then again on Thursday morning, I'll I'll put out, hey, mailbag, send your questions, and you can just respond to that. I mean, I think the easiest way to do it is you you go onto Twitter, you know? So you can always hit me up there. We'll do mailbag questions. We do it every Thursday. Nothing is off limits. We touch on everything, whatever you want. So let's get to this week's edition of Zaslow Show 2.0 Mailbag. All right, we start out here. Uh, this is from at Heater361. He asks, Zazlo, he hit me up. I think he hit me up on Instagram. Zazlo, is MJF 
Top Jew. This is an excellent question. Now, has there ever been a Jewish world champion in the world of pro wrestling? I don't know. But MJF, he is very Jewish. He wears it very proudly. He's the world champion for AEW. So, yeah, MJF is very obviously top Jew. Everybody knows that. And now, Heater361, he also knows that. So, yes, MJF, top Jew. Very proud to have him part of the tribe. Tribe. This question is from Steven. I did not like how Emmanuel Ogba looked last week. He looked like he lost a step. Considering he was involved in the Jonathan Taylor trade rumors, does Ogba's value go down? <clears throat> well, look, I don't know how much how much trade value Jonathan Ogba has to begin with. And certainly if the Colts were going to be trading for a player in return for Jonathan Taylor, yeah, if Emmanuel Ogba, who... who Look, he was out most of last year, too. I don't think that's a guy that the Colts would be interested in, Emmanuel Ogba. But I don't remember his name even being mentioned in the Jonathan Taylor stuff. Maybe you're aware. Maybe you know, Stephen, and I don't. I just, I didn't hear that. Uh, I don't think that Jonathan, Emmanuel Ogba has very much trade value. I don't. This question here is from Jake. A- Zaslow, am I an asshole for making fun of Jets fans? No. Jake, I told you guys that a couple days ago. The Dolphin fan is allowed to make fun of Jet fans. The Dolphin fan is, is, is doesn't have to be happy that Aaron Rodgers got hurt, but you, you are able to be glad if the end result is the Dolphins are going to be better than the Jets. You don't have to apologize for how that happens. That doesn't mean that you're rooting for players to get hurt. That doesn't mean you're glad players got hurt. You're glad for what the effect is. And the effect of the cause was that the Jets are going to be shit and the Dolphins are going to be better. And you're allowed to be glad about that. So no. You are not an asshole. This question is from Wolfpack Legion. He's a big listener of the show. Big Marlins fan too. He's asked me this before. Is Skip Schumacher the right man for the job? Listen, Wolfpack Legion is very dialed into the Marlins. But I would tell you, and I, I, I talked about this with Mike McDaniel last year, right? Where why does a coach or a manager need to be a finished product? You know, when, when you draft a player, a young player, a first-year pro, you expect him to get better throughout the first years of his career. Well, Skip Schumacher is a first-year manager in the majors. Why, why does the same thought process apply to coaches and managers? And for me, I think it should. So Skip Schumacher, any, any problems you have with him right now as the Marlins manager— why does he have to be a finished product in year one? Why doesn't he have room to grow? Have you seen enough from Skip Schumacher to say, you know what? I think he probably knows what he's doing. Should he, should he have a lot of room to get better? Yeah, I hope so. But considering the Marlins in mid-September are a half game out of the wildcard spot, yeah, it's, I would say Skip Schumacher is right guy for the job. All right, this question here is from at Saul underscore 434. Zaslow, would you take the Heat winning a championship? Or the Dolphins lose in the Super Bowl? Yeah, I mean, that may be a difficult question for some people. For me, it's easy. I want the championship. I want the Heat championship. Uh, You know, Dolphins going to the Super Bowl would be amazing. And it would be crushing if they lose. Now, you know, was the Heat losing in the finals this year crushing? The Heat have actually lost three straight finals. Was the Heat in the finals losing this year crushing? Was the Panthers losing in the Stanley Cup crushing? Yeah, it sucked. But 
the good so far outweighed the bad. But that's also because the good took two months to get to the championship round. You had like two months worth of good before they lost. If the Dolphins were to lose in the Super Bowl, maybe you got two wins, max three, to get to the Super Bowl, and then you lose, that would be crushing. So for me, Heat winning the championship for sure. Uh, at CatsFan31124, Zaslow, biggest challenge you've found doing an ESPN show as opposed to Zaslow Show 2.0? Uh, that's a good question, and I talked a little bit about this yesterday on Zaslow Show 2.0. We had Stu Gotts on. You can go back and you can listen to yesterday's episode, and we talked a little bit about doing shows on ESPN Radio. And I think the biggest adjustment is finding the balance between... See, ESPN Radio national shows are topic-driven. My show has always been personality-driven. This show is about me. That's why it's got my name on it. So I can let my entire personality out there. When I do shows on ESPN Radio, it's not Zaslow's show 2.0. The shows are topic-driven. So the biggest challenge is making sure that it's not me that's the entire show. It needs to be about the topics. It needs to be about the subjects. But making sure I still intertwine my personality. Because I'm not trying to be cookie-cutter on those shows. I do want to be me. So, and I think I'm doing a good job of incorporating that. I want to stand out. I don't want to sound like everybody else on ESPN Radio. So, I think I've been doing that. I think they're happy with me. That's been the biggest challenge. Uh, This question is from Mike in West Palm Beach. Zaslow, what retired wrestler would you love to start his or her career uh, over new in today's wrestling if they could? Like, Like, they would be young in their prime again. Good question. I mean, I feel like I would have to go with my favorite, Bret Hitman Hart. You know, there are so many guys out there. Bret Hitman Hart is known as the best technical wrestler ever, at least one of. And I feel like there weren't very many guys in WWF back then who were on his level. I think there are a lot of guys who are potentially uh, close to his level now. So for me, Bret Hitman Hart. Another wrestling question, we'll wrap it on this. Victor at Diesel Vic. Zaslow, has Adam Pierce solidified himself as the best Raw SmackDown general manager. He may have one of the longest runs as GM. Uh, I think, I don't know if he's necessarily called the GM. I think he's called the WWE official. And yeah, I think Adam Pearce is excellent. You know, usually that that role of GM bothers me. I just think it's silly. I think Adam Pearce uh, has done a really, really good job. He might be the best. He might be the best, uh, you know, authority figure GM of WWE official. That, that WWE's had, at least in a very, very long time. So I'm going to say yes to that right there. And that right there is another edition of Zaslow Show 2.0 Mailbag. Guys, it's still summertime, which means sizzling summer savings are still all over the place at North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. If you're in the market for a new ride, if you're thinking about getting a new car, North Fort Lauderdale Subaru is the only car dealership I'm sending you to. Whatever you're looking for, something big, an SUV for the family, maybe just a sedan, something fun for yourself. North Fort Lauderdale Subaru carries the widest inventories of newest Subaru models on the market. You're guaranteed to find the perfect model when you visit North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. Subaru, take the summer off with North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. That's right. Make no payments for 90 days 
when you purchase any North Fort Lauderdale Subaru vehicle in stock. You matter of fact, you could shop right now from the comfort of your own home or wherever you're listening. Shop NFLSubaru.com. That's easy to remember. NFLSubaru.com. North Fort Lauderdale Subaru, conveniently located on North Andrews Avenue, just north of Cypress Creek Road. The building you know and the place to go. NFLSubaru.com. North Fort Lauderdale Subaru. So Alex Perry joining us here. He is the director and the filmmaker of, of the Peacock documentary, Angle. And I told you guys this last week, especially if you caught It's Still Real to Me, which is my wrestling show on the weekend, Zaslow Show 2.0. I finally got around to watching Angle, and I was blown away by it, Alex. I really was. Like, the second half of the film, I'd seen most of that. I knew most of that story, because that's a lot of the WWE stuff. And I didn't know all of the drug issues, but I knew most of it. The first half of the movie... I, I was blown away with. I, I I hadn't seen any of that footage. I didn't know all the details about how he actually went through the tournament with the broken freaking neck. So the, the first thing I want to ask is, how'd you get a hold of all that footage? Right, that's a great question. So uh, one of my favorite things to do, uh, one of the reasons I love documentaries so much is just the ability to find things that people have never seen before. And I, I like to like, uh, you know, anytime I ever work on a documentary, I want to approach it that way. And, you know, with Kurt, there had been a handful of pieces about him and his life. So two things I wanted to accomplish with this. One, I wanted to tell a big portion of his story that would be shocking to see to pro wrestling fans. Uh, and Kurt, like, kind of bought into that on day one. I said, dude, your backstory is fascinating. It's amazing. Granted, the whole picture is amazing. But the backstory is just so fascinating. And, uh, you know, it, it struck me as almost more fascinating than people may expect. Uh, so I really wanted to dig into that. And two, I also knew I wanted to find a lot of footage that no one had seen before, especially on a person who has, you know, been covered a few times in various pieces throughout the years. Uh, so, you know, so I, when it comes to finding the footage, you just kind of play detective. And, you know, my favorite piece, obviously the centerpiece of the footage we found was him breaking his neck at the U.S. Open in 1996. Uh, I was able to, through USA Wrestling, I was able to identify uh, two of the videographers and photographers who were Matt's side. I could kind of see them in photos at the event. Uh, and then USA Wrestling identified them. I tracked them down online. Uh, you know, with a few months later, I convinced them to walk down to their basement. The guy had an original beta tape of it. <laughs> and he blew off the dust uh of the beta tape and we put it in for the he put it in for the first time since 1996 and our jaw dropped when we saw it and we were like that's it that's that's the shot there they don't there had only been like before like maybe like a a handy cam shot from the stands of it uh but i saw that shot and my jaw dropped matt side perfect resolution literally a profile of it happening and you know that's one of the many that, that's one of about i would say about 30 to 35 things that we found my second favorite is Kurt's high school football game um, right after his dad died when he played that amazing football game. You know, we had generic football footage in there for the longest time, but I said, I'm tracking down this game. And I called every single one of the players who were on that team. I was calling them up at their, at their work numbers and stuff. <laughs> and one of them, I was about to give up. And then one of them finally answered. He said, one of the receivers on our team used to have his dad record because he was like going to be a D one recruit. So they wanted to have it on film. And I called that receiver and he said, you know what? I think my, he goes, I think my dad actually may have recorded that game. And then boom, we found it. We tracked it down. So 
it was it, it was it was fun to bring a lot of stuff to wrestling fans, whether they're pro wrestling fans or amateur fans, about Kurt's life that no one had seen before, and that was the most exciting thing about the project for me. When Kurt saw those two clips you're specifically talking about, breaking his neck and the game that he dedicated to his father on football, that was the first time Kurt had seen that footage since when? Uh, ever. So uh, that team, the, the, both of those teams had not been seen before outside of those specific families or specific videographers who had the tapes. Um, and like I said, that's, that was a, it was a collection of things, probably about 30 to 35 things in this documentary that Kurt hadn't seen before, uh, including Kurt hadn't even seen, you know, the, um, the footage of him uh, on the pills, uh, you know, uh, you know, when he was slurring his words and stuff and in that family footage, he had not seen that before either. Uh, but Kurt was, I, I was so unbelievably proud of his react. I was so unbelievably happy with his reaction when he first saw this documentary. He brought, he brought a notebook in with him to the theater to take down all the notes he wanted to take. And uh, halfway through the screening, he walked up and just threw the notebook away. And I was just <laughs> like, oh, that is the nicest thing ever. And he, uh, it, it made me so happy. Honestly, if the, if the doc had been made and that was like, the final thing that happened with it, I would have been happy right there. <laughs> that must have been terribly emotional for him seeing some of those clips for the first time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. He, uh, he told me he cried the first time he saw this documentary. And of course that was as a filmmaker, that was an unbelievable thing to hear. Um, and it was an emotional thing for him and his whole family really. Uh, Cause his whole family had been through a lot of stuff. Um, you know, when it comes to his, his uh his wife Giovanna and the stuff that happened with his addiction and and his original um his 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 family growing up his brothers and everything so uh, you know it's called angle I wanted to kind of you know in a way make a tribute to that whole family and everything that they they experienced both in Kurt's younger life and um and present day how did you decide to do this film I mean yeah. Did you are you a pro wrestling fan? Like, uh, did you know Kurt at all? How did this come about? Yeah, so massive pro wrestling fan growing up. Um, Attitude Era, like so many, was my peak fandom, and uh, I always kind of gravitated. I love Stone Cold and The Rock, but I always kind of gravitated towards the guy who, like, you know, everyone didn't have the t shirts of. Yeah, and Kurt was my favorite wrestler during the Attitude Era. So, when back when I uh, first moved to LA, I reached out to him. And I was doing some comedy videos uh, for this website, Funny or Die. And I said, hey, let's make this comedy video together where uh, you fail at remaking the re-entering the Olympics. <laughs> That's and funny. called the Olympic Trials with Kurt Angle. And, <laughs> you know, we had a blast making it over two days. And then we kind of just stayed friends ever since then. And we kind of stayed in each other's peripherals. And I reached out to him. And I was like, dude, your, your story is amazing. You know, when I, when, I was, when I was a kid and I was a huge pro wrestling fan, I – I didn't know anything. I actually was too young to even know about Kurt's Olympic story. Right. And the internet was kind of just getting going. It was like, you know, after in the late nineties and he was my favorite pro wrestler. And I had never seen a pro wrestler whose gimmick was actually based on a real life event. Not only that, but an unbelievable real life event. And when I, it was always kind of like this rumor that circulated in my, within my little group of wrestling fan friends at the time, Hey man, do you know this guy kind of really did this? Won an Olympic with a gold medal, the broken freaking neck, that thing, and I was like, "What? What? That's 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 fake." And then, like you know, when the internet started, internet started getting going, and I was like looking it up, I was like, "Oh my god! Like these things actually happened." And the and when I met Kurt, and I started asking him questions about that story that I hadn't heard people ask him about before, and he would text me the answers. 
I would be like, wow, this is like real life. Like this is fertile ground for us for storytelling. You know, this is like really, really great story. And I was like, we have to tell the story. I, to be completely honest with you, I actually originally wanted to do only that first half as a very unique type of 30 for 30, like sports 30 for 30 type feel. Uh, but the Kurt's whole life just has, it has a narrative thread to it. And it's so dense in its, in its story uh, that I decided it would just, it would be better to tell the whole, to the whole scope as a, as a, as a, as a biopic. Now I know the, the story, the, the film was not originally intended to be, uh, a, I guess a partnership with WWE. Like how did they get involved and did you get any pushback from them? Great question. Um, so WWE, we, we made this as an indie and, um, we made it with, uh, the, the amazing Ross Dinnerstein. He's a producer at Campfire Studios. Uh, ben Hanna, Jeremy Baylor, who produced uh, Team Foxcatcher, also uh, produced on this. Um, and I also got to edit it with my best friend, Ian Winberg. He's he's just a magician. He's unbelievable. But we made it as an indie. And the first place we sent it to was WWE because we wanted to license their footage. And we weren't even finished with the movie yet. Uh, and they called us back the next day and said, we'd love to buy it instead. And, uh, you know, given the fact that not only were they going to buy it, but we would also never have to license their footage. It ended up being the correct place for this. And, you know, we're blessed that WWE took it into their, um, into their wing. And they originally uh, sent it over to A&E because they had a partnership with A&E. Right. And A&E, I think was a little bit uh, I, like, I can only assume this, but I assume that they were a little bit confused by, the film uh, because it's not, I, I wouldn't even call it a pro wrestling documentary in a way. I call it like a sports epic. It's an overall sports epic story. Uh, and any, uh, and I don't blame this them for this whatsoever. I would have done the same thing. Any cut it um, to fit the structure of their pro wrestling television show by our legends. Yeah. Uh, totally fine. Uh, I, I, I get to experience kind of two different lives with this film, which, which has been fun. Um, do I secretly wish that first one went a little bit under the radar, uh, because I knew this was going to come out a year later. Sure. Um, and it did go on uh, under the radar a little bit because Ric Flair had Ric Flair's last match the same night. And that kind of took over wrestling Twitter. Right. Um, <laughs> so it did go a little bit on the radar, but I, l listen, I, 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 you know, it, it's, it's been a, it's been a hell of a journey. And I, and I, I love that Peacock and WWE have put out our Kurt and I's original version of this, which is about 40 minutes longer of the Olympic story than the A&E version was, I believe. If you take out the commercials, I think that that story and that version ended in about 20 minutes. Uh, and ours is a little over an hour with that story. The Olympic uh, stuff is, it, it's so good. Like he, he is, like I said, I didn't, obviously I knew he, he won the gold medal, but my impression was always that he broke his neck, like in the gold medal match. Right. I didn't know that he broke it however months earlier and yeah. and and he's covering it up with the cortisone shots or, or yeah. whatever it was and uh and just all and the one piece of shit guy he was wrestling who kept trying to push <laughs> on his neck you know although Kurt said he would have done the exact same yeah. thing like th this guy like he is a real American hero the story is incredible I agree. I agree. I think Kurt's story is absolutely incredible. I, I think it had to be, it was, it, it was so worthy of documentary and it, it has inspiring aspects to it. It had, you know, his whole life has been about perseverance in a way. And that's really what we wanted to make a film about. Um, he, 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 Kurt in his, over his life has been resilient to 
physical pain through his injuries, emotional pain through what's happened with his family, and mental pain through probably the worst opioid addiction, one of the worst I've ever heard of in my life. Um, and yet he still came out on the other side with all those things. My so, son turned to me. I was watching it with my 11-year-old son, and he turned to me when Kurt was saying, I think at one point, that he was up to 60-some-odd pills a day. And my son said, he goes, how did he die? I'm like, I don't know. Yeah, tolerance is an unbelievable thing. And I, 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 I found it unbelievable at first, too. And then when I started looking deeper into it, you know, I looked into I, I read about some guy who took 90 a day. And I was like, okay, well, Kurt is Kurt who he is. And, you know, he, he wanted to be the, the very best at everything he did, including his pill taking, unfortunately. <laughs> and he took, he, he just went all out with everything he did. And that was one of the things he went all out, all out with. Now, tolerance, now it, t tolerance is a funny thing. Cause if you, t if you get off the pills and then you get on them a little bit later uh, and you relapse, then you, you certainly couldn't go back to that same amount. That's when you'd be in that danger zone of your body not being able to handle that amount, that same amount. It's unfortunately what happened to Kurt's sister, you know, who went back onto uh, heroin after taking a time off and she relapsed because her body wasn't able to take that same amount that she was used to. Um, so Kurt, you know, he, he was able to get over his, uh, his addiction and it, it truly is unbelievable. And he, he's been able to say my doc, the end of my documentary says, He's been sober for a little over seven years. Now it's already like nine years. So um, I, I, you know, I don't think Kurt will ever take a pill again. And it's, it's, it's an incredible thing because he has to deal with pain on every day of his life. Plenty um, of, plenty of the film is, is emotional from his perspective. Like I, I found it very sad when, you know, he, he hadn't talked to his sister for all that time. And I mean, the pain that he must have that he, he, you know, his communication with her ended forever on a bad note and he's got to live with that. And it made me sad. And I wonder, as a documentary filmmaker, and you're sitting behind the camera and you're asking the questions and your subject is getting emotional, like, how do you keep from getting emotional on the other side of the camera? Good question. Um, I was very surprised at how open Kurt was with us. And I, it, you know, it was a grueling, I, 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 you know, I don't want to use the word grueling, but it was a very... Um, you know, it, it, it was in a way a grueling experience to interview him. We did one of the interviews was about, I believe, nine hours straight and uh, with like one break we took or two breaks. And, you know, that to, 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 to go through your entire life over a nine hour stretch and then the next day it was like seven hours. So it was like nine hours and then seven hours. That is an extremely grueling emotional thing for mm -hmm. the subject to go through. Uh, but there was something about that setting that 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 made him open up like that. And when the subject is looking right in the lens like that, I'm actually looking at Kurt through a mirror. Um, so it's also a very unique scenario to be looking at him like that all day and hearing him open up like that all day. And did I feel emotional during the process? For sure. Absolutely. And not only that, I spent thousands and thousands and thousands of hours in the editing room uh, with my editor watching this footage. And it almost became more emotional as we added other pieces of footage into the story. Uh, and it gives you kind of like, you know, when he tells his story, the story about his sister and, you know, you see her in her original wedding um, 
footage and, 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 you know, so many stories about her. I heard on the side as well. You know, we, we went to her house and we, we visited her graveside, and um, she just seemed like such a, a, a special person. And um, yeah, like extremely emotional uh, experience making this entire film, not, not just that interview, but making this entire film. Um, and, uh, and it was a, it, it was a great gift to be able to do it. Did you try, you got The Rock, I mean, Ric yeah. Flair, Stone Cold. Did you try to get Vince? Uh, to be frank, no. Uh, we did not try to get Vince. We, we, we made this as, a, um, as an independent film without WWE's involvement at first. Um, so we, we felt that we could tell the story justly without Vince's involvement, without Vince doing an interview with Vince. Um, so we did not try for that. We tried pretty much everybody else across the board. Mm -hmm. Um, and I mean, you know, these people said yes, simply because it shows you the respect they have for Kurt. You know, this is a documentary. It's not like these people are getting paid to do this. Mm -hmm. And when I, when we got the yes from the rock, I mean, my jaw dropped on the floor. I was like, this is unbelievable. And we flew to Atlanta. We interviewed him. Uh, I got to interview flair the same day. Uh, Steve Austin was unbelievable. Ronda Rousey was unbelievable. Uh, you know, we have a slew of all these Olympic gold medalists and uh, world champions who came to do interviews. And like I said, with, even with hunting down footage and stuff, Kurt has been like good to people his entire life. And he's been such a good person to people his entire life that it actually made it super easier on me to accomplish all the things I needed to accomplish. Cause yeah. there's not a lot of money in documentary, you know? So when I'm hunting down these interviews and when I'm hunting down these uh, people for footage and photos and all that stuff. You kind of have to just rely on their goodwill to, to, to want to help you out. And the reason they wanted to help us out is because they loved and respected the guy who it's about. So that was a huge burden off my shoulders. And that's what, that's a huge weapon I had at my disposal. Who, uh, who else, did, who, who did you try and get that you could not, like they didn't want to do it. Timing didn't work out. Who, who would you have wanted to have that? It just didn't work out. I would say one of the most interesting that didn't work out was Abbas Jadidi, the uh, guy he wrestled for the gold medal. Um, I had been in touch with him through an Iranian friend of mine, uh, friend and colleague. And we tried over the course of, I would say, like six months to get him to fly to L.A. There was a little bit of geopolitical tension at the time. Um, so, it, it I, you know, I could kind of tell it wasn't going to work out. At the end of the day, I don't think it... I don't think it detracted too much from the film. Uh, you also would have been reading subtitles, I believe, for the first time in the film. Uh, and it, it, and among a, such a high-intensity, fast-moving moment, that could have potentially, you know, from a filmmaker's perspective, that could have potentially detracted a little bit from it. Um, and I knew that he would just be PO'd because I, I, I believe that he still thinks he won that match. Um, are they, are they friendly? Have they, do they talk at all? Good question. I, I, they, they actually, I believe like are friendly a little bit. They, you know, they like each other's posts on Instagram and (laughs) they follow each other on Instagram. (laughs) So I, I hope a boss is over it by now, but oddly enough, like there is still like, there's still like tension there among wrestling fans. Wrestling is humongous in Iran. It's their national sport. So when you go onto these like Reddit threads or these forums online, you'll still see to this day, Iranian and American people arguing over that match. And that's a fascinating thing to me. And I'm hoping that um, someone uh, over there, and I'm hoping that a boss himself can see this docket at some point. Now, obviously it was a major upset, but like, is 
I don't know anything about amateur wrestling. Like I'm watching the clips. I have no idea how you're gaining points. I understand what a pin is, but I, I didn't realize you, you, you could have matches and nobody pins and it's just based on points. Like I, I have no idea how it works. So was that match or is that match considered a classic? For sure. And it's also considered, uh, you know, it's still to this day considered slightly controversial because a boss, you know, still to this day, I believe, says I won the match. Uh, but is it a classic? Of course. I mean, part of that is because Kurt Angle has become who ha- he has become. Yeah. Um, but it's you know, and, and that that Olympic team is considered one of the greatest amateur wrestling Olympic teams of all time. And part of that had to do with the existence of Dave Schultz at the time and the existence of Foxcatcher at the time, which was just an unbelievable Foxcatcher, you know, as, as, as bad as it ended, it was an unbelievable opportunity for amateur wrestlers at the time to get paid to become the best they could be, you know? And, you know, and, and, and like I said, Dave Schultz just brought everyone up with him, but these wrestlers, Bruce Baumgartner, um, Kurt Angle, Kendall Cross, Kevin Jackson, like these, these guys were all, all combined, uh, probably made the best amateur Olympic team ever uh, for the USA specifically. And, um, and that's why those ma- those matches, not only Kurtz, but the other guys would still be considered like classics in that, in that realm to today. Well, I, I love the movie, Alex, especially, like I said, I knew a lot about the second half of the movie, but the first half, and all the footage, it is, it's so good. The The documentary is Angle. It's on Peacock. It's available now. I, I highly recommend, especially all my listeners who are, are who know I'm a huge pro wrestling fan, who are also pro wrestling fans, you, you should go watch it. Or if you're just into American sports, I mean, you go watch it. And it, it's such, it's such a great story. Now, I know you're based in Boston, so you're a big Patriot fan, right? We got a we, Sunday night football. We got a big matchup this weekend, Dolphins and Patriots. How you feeling? Uh, you know what? I'm feeling pretty bad about it. <laughs> I think we're going to get spanked, but it's fine. It's fine. You know what? I, I liked our fight a lot in, in, in our opening game. I liked our fight a lot. I, I thought that was going to get ugly quick. Uh, but I'm a Tua fan, to be honest. And, uh, and I think he's got a great career ahead of him. I think that, you know, that's the most dynamic receiving duo in the league. And, uh, you know, do I hope we win? Of course. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm so excited that football's back in general. It's just the best time of the year. It's Christmas. Now, now were you mad at Brady? And if you were, have you made up with him? I, w- I was one of the ones who was never mad at Brady. A couple of my family members won't even like say his name. It's, it's like saying Voldemort. Um, but I, I was one of the ones who was never mad at him. Uh, I think that he absolutely earned the right to do whatever the heck he wanted and uh, and I think he's dealing with the situation now well, and he's you know him coming back and being here opening day, and him gonna go he's gonna go into the Patriots Hall of Fame and stuff like that. Um, I, 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 I'm 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 super happy for the guy. I think he's just like a very nice guy, and I he's always I've always found him very easy to root for no matter what he did. Well, you know what? I've I, I hated his guts for 20 years, but yeah. then when he went over to Tampa, and you did get to see I think a little bit more of his personality come out yeah. when he was with Tampa. And I was like, you know what? I kind of like him. I yeah. <laughs> I think he's really nice and really cool. And we haven't been able to see any of this when he was at New England. So I kind of like him now. Yeah, uh, I mean, I, I actually love in that case. If you know, he grew his fandom for sure because he did. He was no longer uh, Darth Vader. So you know, if Belichick was the Emperor, Brady was Darth Vader. So I think he he kind of. 
got himself out of that um out of that image and grew his fandom. So I'm happy about I'm I'm happy that that happened for him. Now I'm hoping that Belichick can also have a a good tail end of his career here though. So I'm I'm really hoping for that as well. Oh, he's approaching Shula. He needs a few more like good seasons. I agree to pass agree. Shula. So we're... I agree. I don't think Max going to do it for us, unfortunately. I mean, I, I hate to say it, but I think I think I I, I don't think I mean maybe Mac will turn into a journeyman hopefully, but I don't think Max the guy. Is there is there anything else we can mention? Anything you have coming up, Alex? No, working on a couple more sports docs that I'm excited about. So hopefully we can reconnect then. Awesome. Uh, but until then, I, I appreciate the, uh, the, the the wrestling fans who have come out in force and and been so so nice and supportive of this doc that we released on Kurt. It's been extremely emotional this past week for both me and Kurt. That's awesome. And, uh, so just thank you, everybody, and thank you for having me on. This is your podcast is is awesome. Thank and, you. Uh, it's a privilege. It's a privilege to be on here. Thanks a lot, Alex. I appreciate it. I mean, we'll, we'll definitely do it again down the road. You got some more stuff coming out. Thank you, brother. I'm telling you, you got to go watch the Angle documentary again. It's on Peacock. Really great job there by Alex. Movie is awesome. And and like you said, I don't think you have to be a pro wrestling fan to enjoy it. it like if you're if you're a fan of sports, you know, it's about an hour in. It's a little less than two hours, I think. And the first half of it is on, you know, him him training and, and winning at the Olympics and everything that happened with Fox Catcher. So if you're not into the WWE part, fine. Stop watching after the first half. The first half, it, it, the whole thing is so good. I was so impressed with it. So really pleased that Alex was able to join us there. Great job out of him. All right, guys, you know how I, I've been telling you about Sheets and Giggles forever. And, well, not forever, but I've been telling you about Sheets and Giggles for about five months now, they've been one of our great sponsors. My man Colin, the founder and CEO of Sheets and Giggles, he is helping all of us get the best sleep of our lives. That's right. Sheets and Giggles, I got the softest, most breathable, more moisture wicking than cotton, the coolest sheets out there. I get the best sleep I've ever had, that comforter. I sleep on a eucalyptus pillow. That's right. Have you ever slept on a eucalyptus mattress? All of these options are available to you when you go to SheetsGiggles.com. Use promo code Zazlow if you're getting your first ever order on Sheets and Giggles. SheetsGiggles.com. Use promo code Zazlow. You'll get 20% off your first order. And just like the Zazlow family, you're going to become one of over 100,000 Americans who are sleeping on Sheets and Giggles and never turning back. Plus, yes, they're using eucalyptus products here. But my man Colin, he's keeping the environment safe. That's right. Plus, we're talking zero pesticides, zero incesticides that are used. Up to 96% less water used than some cotton sheets. I mean, we're sustainably made from wood of eucalyptus trees that are grown on sustainably managed biodiverse farms. They don't touch any ancient or endangered forest. Sheets and giggles to get the best sleep of your life. And the environment is being taken care of. Use promo code Zaslow, SheetsGiggles.com. Let's get to Big Deal or Not a Big Deal. Big Deal or Not a Big Deal, always brought to us by Water Cleanup of Florida. If you're dealing with water, mold, or fire damage in your home, and your business, is that a big deal? I don't know. Maybe it's not a big deal. Water Cleanup of Florida will answer that question for you. 954-900-8635 or... Go to WCUFL.com. Water Cleanup of Florida knows when an unexpected damage occurs in your home. You need specialized, fast, and reliable services. Water Cleanup of Florida are coming out to you immediately. And their objective, they're going to make the cleanup and the insurance claim process painless 
and hassle-free. You don't need to make other phone calls. They're starting your project. They're ending your project. Water Cleanup of Florida, 954-900-8635. Let Water Cleanup of Florida tell you if it's a big deal or not a big deal. Big deal or not a big deal. So the Marlins yesterday, the Marlins win 2-0. They're looking to get a split today of the four-game series at the Milwaukee Brewers. That's a 2-10 game today. So you may be listening to Zaslow Show 2.0 right now. And you're like, Zaslow, the game's already started. All right, so finish listening to the show. We're almost done. And then go go watch the Marlins and Brewers. See if the Marlins can get a four-game split. Now, right now, and you got Yuri Perez on the hill today. Right now, the Marlins find themselves a half game back of the third and final wildcard spot, which is a tie between Arizona and Cincinnati right now. And the Marlins are a half game back tied with San Francisco. You got four teams fighting for that one spot. So every one of these games are huge. That's a big deal. Big deal or not a big deal. So we finally heard from Aaron Rodgers yesterday for the very first time since he got hurt. He uh, he penned a, a letter, a statement on Instagram, which included, the night is darkest before the dawn, and I shall rise yet again. I, I'm, I'm going I'm going big deal because that would seem to counter what I thought, which was, I think he's done. I think when you're even thinking about retirement and you have to go through the strenuous type of rehab that he's going to have to at his age and to recover from a, a, a torn Achilles, I, I feel like you're done. But that statement right there would tell you that he's not. So I'm going to go big deal. Big deal or not a big deal? How about Marcus Spears yesterday? Marcus Spears on Get Up, I believe it was, on ESPN. And here's Marcus Spears telling you that depending on what happens, you know, with Josh Allen moving forward here, if he continues to be careless, they could wind up losing Stephon Diggs. Play for Bill Parcells, and he would tell me every week, tell us all the time. I would rather a guy where I know what I'm going to get every single Sunday than a guy that's going to play like a pro bowler and then disappear for three weeks and then play like a pro bowler again. You say it all the time, and you'd be like, damn, pro bowlers are good. All pros are good. But the consistency is what everybody looks for. Josh Allen has a problem, and Dan talked about it on the show. He just, like an adrenaline junkie. Like, I can do this. My arm is strong. I'm finna see how far I can throw the football. And somebody down there, I hope something good happens. Right? And and look, I I get it. Like, I understand D-Wood energy. But, like, this is – the people want the Dak Prescott-Josh Allen argument. Like, they – well, why y'all talk about Dak? Dak played quarterback for the Cowboys. They gonna be highly scrutinized more than anybody ever. So, let's get over that. The point is – Josh Allen is a turnover machine. As good as his ceiling is, and we saw it. We saw it when they went to Kansas City. He went toe-to-toe with Pat Mahomes, make an argument that he played better. We've seen it time and time again. That's why you don't talk about it in that context. But Josh Allen is playing the playing football to where he's going to lose his top target in Stephon Diggs. Stephon Diggs is not – he is tired of having to get this dude confidence back mm. in games. Tell him to be smart with the football. Don't do this. Don't do that. You are not going to win a Super Bowl with Josh Allen turning the football over like he does. Yeah, I'm going big deal. I think he's onto something there because we already know that there's a friction between the quarterback and the wide receiver. And that was an atrocious performance from Josh Allen on Monday night. It's a look. I, 
tomorrow's big game or not a big game. I, I don't want to spoil it for you, but that, that could be a big game. So I'm going big deal right there from Marcus Spears. And finally here, Good Morning Football. Great program. I'll watch every morning on the NFL Network. And here was Good Morning Football yesterday. Peter Schrager talking about Mike McDaniel and, and his awesome clock management. And they've got a great head coach, a controversial head coach with some decisions he makes. And I got to take you into what Mike McDaniel did at the end What's of the first he got? half. Let's get into the nitty gritty of clock management here, okay? This is Mike McDaniel. This is the second quarter, all right? 25 seconds left. They are up three. And Justin Herbert, all right, on third down, gets tackled inbounds. 17 seconds, let it tick, right? <laughs> Mike McDaniel screaming at Sarah Thomas. Time out, time out. Wait, why would you? You're up three. Why would you do that? He's screaming at her to get the timeout in. Now, if he doesn't do this, maybe the Chargers can get the field goal and go to half, whatever. The Chargers end up do kicking a 50-yard field goal, and everyone's like, what was McDaniel calling timeout for? Let the clock tick. What, do you think you're really going to score with less than 10 seconds left? Sure enough, the Dolphins get the ball back with nine seconds remaining yeah, in the yeah. quarter. And they're on their own 25. McDaniel is like, we can get more points. He called timeout, guys, with 14 seconds left and was fine doing that because he knew he'd get an opportunity here. Okay, they move it down here. Now it's first and second, ten with two seconds left. And what he does, Tua just fling it up there to Tyreek, and we got a flag party here. There's a pass interference. Nice. Mike McDaniel stole three points at the end of the half here by being aggressive and trusting his offense. There were nine seconds left, and he's calling timeouts. Hey, 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 let's get the ball back. Knowing they had to go 80 yards, sure enough, they get the field goal. They escape here, a three-point lead at the end of the half. Very often, coaches will be like, all right, let's just get to halftime. We're up by three. Yeah, let's let's just get out of here. <laughs> Mike McDaniel's like, we still got nine seconds. We can do this. Hold a timeout, mm. allowing the Chargers to kick a 50-yard field goal because he wanted to get the ball back for nine seconds. Mike McDaniel, you knew it was a shootout, and you knew every possession mattered. Shout out to you. Amazing, aggressive clock management. And Sarah Thomas won. No, 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 no. Peter, I think that won them the game. They won by two, right? One by two. That's They got to have that then. Those three points were the difference. Wow. I'm going big deal. We know this. I mean, we talked about it on Monday. It was an excellent job by Josh McDaniel at the end of the half there. It, pro- it may have won them the game, you could say. And it, it, it shows an incredible amount of confidence in the offense, in Tua, and a very aggressive attitude. And I also liked how Schrager pointed out there where McDaniel's probably saying to himself, you know what? I know today's going to be a shootout. Every possession counts. That's a big deal right there. And that right there, courtesy of Water Cleanup of Florida, 954-900-8635. Let Water Cleanup of Florida tell you if it's a big deal or not a big deal. Yes. All right. Excellent job by everybody who put helped put together a great show today. I really appreciate it. Really fun today. We had double guests. Hopefully, we're able to get you some help for fantasy football tonight. Vikings, Eagles. Uh, it sounds like a good game, Vikings and Eagles, but I, I have a sense that the Eagles are going to kick the shit out of them. Anyway, thanks to Alex Perry for joining us. Thanks to Jamie Eisberg for joining us. Thanks, everybody, for listening. Always appreciate it. We'll talk to you on Zaslow Show 2.0 tomorrow. Go with that. <laughs>